Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. You talk about God trusted me. To me, I still in 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 getting emotional to realize that I was broken, I was unhealthy, I needed healing, but yet God trusts us even in our brokenness. And and so I was kind of even going to these places, but wounded, bitter, questioning, wrestling, fear, anxiety, depression, and I am amazed that He trusted me and gave me energy and opened the doors as I follow Jesus. In my brokenness. Fitness and wellness expert, naturopath, and adventure enthusiast, Wendy Peck. And my husband, Todd Isburner. He's a fundraising guru, men's mentor, and Bible scholar. And as a couple, we're going to share riveting breakthrough stories from our guests who've experienced the meaning of a changed life. Our hope is that you will be inspired, equipped, and entertained along your own life journey. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us today on Your Biggest Breakthrough. By the way, thank you so much for sharing the episodes of Mm -hmm. Your Biggest Breakthrough uh, to others because it has just been blessing the socks off of so many people. Mm -hmm. We just got word from one of um, our guests a while back that shared the show and he has heard from numerous mm. people that said, thank you so much for sharing your breakthrough story because because of your courage and because of you sharing your story, I'm able to find hope. And and these people that were wrestling through their own kind of um, stuff are fe- are feeling like, okay, I can get through this. Mm-hmm, yeah. So you never know who might need to hear, hear that's a true. breakthrough. Yeah, so please share it if you can. And uh, look, if you don't like what you hear, that's okay. <laughs> just, just don't tell anyone about it, okay? <laughs> I mean, the truth is you, you can't please everyone all the time, anyway. No, right. You cannot. But sometimes, um, you know, you can actually come off as offensive here on your biggest breakthrough because we tend to talk about, you know, you know who quite a bit. You know who. Yeah, Jesus. Exactly. Uh Sometimes people don't like to hear that. But on on this show, you're going to hear about the Lord and what he is able and capable of doing Mm -hmm. in your life. So. I want you to really, truly uh, listen in and uh, sometimes talking about Jesus. I know for you, maybe it, it causes some misunderstanding around you, or maybe you're given like dirty looks. Uh, you thought it was like a naive religious nutcase, or a <laughs> Jesus freak. People talk about you behind your back, and yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, and some might call that persecution or suffering for their faith. But today's guest has experienced something way beyond that, yeah. that I mean, he's even spent time in prison, Mm -hmm. like 15 times, 15 prisons in 15 different countries, and not only survived, but learned to forgive and love his enemies. Yeah, I don't don't know how that happens. I don't either. We're going to find out. Well, Congo Sampson is our guest and his wife, Shyla, and uh, he's the founder and director of Unite for Africa. He has a very compassionate heart uh, for those who suffer daily. And uh, he is, uh, this is all born out of his own personal experience. 
Yeah, and when he was 16, while on a mission trip, Okongo was abducted by a terrorist army that ravaged northern Uganda for decades. One of thousands of children kidnapped by this army, he was brutalized for weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a God-directed, miraculous uh, turn of events. We're going to hear about that that resulted in his uh, narrow escape. And uh, within uh, just a few years, here he is out proclaiming the gospel in Saudi Arabia, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, Sudan, Somalia, and other countries. I don't know how you could keep up with this guy. Amazing. But he was on a mission to share Jesus, uh, even though it was illegal. And for that, uh, he got in trouble, thrown into prison. And um, like Wendy mentioned, 15 different times, 15 different countries. Yeah, but God had a purpose for each hardship and an expansive plan that he was unfolding. In 2003, Okongo was divinely inspired to found Unite for Africa, and it's a ministry of community and life transformation. So with that, I want to bring on Okongo and his lovely bride, Shyla. Welcome to your biggest breakthrough. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, there you are all the way. And and of course, we mentioned that you travel a lot, you and your wife. And so you guys uh, are in Nairobi right now. Is that correct? Yeah, we just arrived in Nairobi uh, last week uh, on a mission uh, to East Africa, Ethiopia, and Kenya, and, and the countries around, yes. I got to tell you, I spent some time on your website, Unite for Africa, and is it uniteforafrica.org? Correct, uniteforafrica.org. Yeah. I would just encourage our listeners to go there because you're going to see some videos, some stories, and just an amazing work that God has raised up mm-hmm. through uh, through Okongo and Shaila and, and all of the helpers and the teams that you've got. So look, we're going to cut right to the chase because we got to hear your story. I mean, here's the deal. You heard us talking about like persecution, like what we really think is persecution is nowhere near what real persecution is. And I, I know you have firsthand experience as you've shared the gospel, what it means to get in real trouble, not just a dirty look or slap on the hands. So take us back to what happened and and what the outcome is. I mean, you're here, you're sitting here now with a great organization and uh, evangelizing all over the place. But take us back to the beginning of what happened. First of all, uh, it may sound like it's my story. Sometimes I think it's God's story because uh, glory goes back to him uh, because the journey has been uh, with him and through him and, uh, and his vision. And so I was just uh, part of the steward, and and sometimes if you are a steward or a servant, you know you kind of go through some other thing. But uh, the the bottom line is to uh, to point everything to uh, to the Creator and and the vision. You know, so I'm a part of His His work, and so glory goes back to Him. Yeah, you know, I've got, I got to just stop you for a moment because I gotta I gotta sit on top of that one for a moment because it's true. So many times when we share a story, we think it's our story. <laughs> what you said is no, it's God's story. You're We're just yeah. an instrument. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually His story because you know, uh, to this moment, people may look at me and and um, uh, often people drift and make me an, an idol, and I'm not an idol, you know. And so uh, it's just because we all uh, go through that. And then another thing is, each one of us have, um, has a story, and uh, not that uh, mm-hmm. one story is bigger than the other, you know, the other one has endured more than the other. Even a slap and that religious uh, freaking look, you know, is also equally same with uh, what I might have gone through. But um, when I when I received Christ at age fifteen, you know, I had this vision uh, two weeks later that uh, God telling me, "I want to use you to the uttermost part of the world to uh, to bring the good news and healing." And uh, restoration and uh, uh, to to the people, you know. At that time, I had no idea what that was. Partly because I was just 
newly had this encounter with the Lord. At the same time, I had this vision at night, and sometimes you can confuse this vision. Is this just my vain dream? And then partly because I, I grew up in a, in a poor village uh, in Kenya, closer to the border between uh, Kenya and Uganda, and we were poor. And so uh, when you hear the word to the uttermost part of the world, you know, it's like, you know, that can't be true. My father had uh, a large family. We had 16 children and I'm number 15. So we were wow, poor. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Even at that age, when I, I accepted Christ, I never had shoes in my leg in the first place. And then we know that, you know, going to the uttermost part of the world, you got to kind of fly, you know, what does that look like? I had never been to any town or city. So so that was like, you know, I questioned that vision. So, hold on one second, Okonko, because uh, so you're 16 years old, 15, 16 years old. What was the actual circumstances that that led you to Jesus? Was it someone in your family who shared faith or in a church or how did how did that happen? And that's a good story, too. You know, uh, there was a youth camp in um, about probably, I would say, eight to 10 miles from my home. And uh, I was not supposed to be there. Back then, there was no like good roads or or vehicle uh, uh, driving or any of that. So the speaker who was supposed to speak there uh, was passing by our village. And those, those, those years, it was like forest, animals all over. And he had no idea how to get there. So my dad told me, can you escort this speaker to go there and, and speak? And so, yes, you know, and that's what boys do. So I, I decided to, uh, to take him there. So we arrived at night, around nine. And so when we arrived, and as I mentioned to you, I never had shoes. So because we, we walked in the, the early night hours, I had even thorns in, in my legs. So when I arrived at the camp, I realized I couldn't, go, I couldn't travel back uh, because I was supposed to take him and come back. So I decided to stay partly because, because of the thorns in my legs. So maybe in the morning I can remove the thorn and then walk back eight miles home. And then that's one. Number two, it was at night. And, and back then there are animals and, and uh, lions and stuff like that. So I didn't want to walk alone because then um, the minority always will be consumed. So I didn't want to be like this black meat for this beast the night, you know. <laughs> Here's, here's the other thing of it, though. The Bible talks about a thorn in the flesh. You actually, actually had, had thorns in your flesh. <laughs> I was thinking the same <laughs> wow. thing. Yeah, you know, later on when I read Paul's story, I was like, well, that was a thorn in the flesh. Mine was a thorn in my leg. You know, so <laughs> yes. that part of Wow. Uh, so anyway, that night I decided to stay, but then there was these passionate people speaking the gospel, and I was like, this is so cool. But at the same time, I knew people who were doing church and speaking, and uh, most of them were missionary. And uh, it was this mellow talk that, you know, a few times when I was in the church, you know, I was like, you know, take, we were the people who you would like hire like a special asset to wake them up because the speaker is speaking and they are asleep. <laughs> <laughs> they were boring. <laughs> and they were just speaking in person. And so I was just glued and like, and then I gave my life to Christ. That night, oh, it thorns on my leg. Beautiful. And thorns I, and all. I, I love there, it. And, that, and then I did not even return. So I stayed with my, my torn cloth and and um, I was oh, it was it was weird and odd but you know but uh, I accepted Christ I came back we, one week later is when I got that vision. Okay, so you said yes to Jesus and He immediately put you to work. 
He like he enlisted you in his service right <laughs> off the bat, and you had no doubts in your mind. You knew for certain that God was calling you. Is that right? About right, because when they were making an altar call, they said, "Come, follow Jesus." And so when I when I gave my life and and I said, "I want to follow you," that is a dangerous statement to say. And you know, when Jesus called the disciple, he didn't kind of he didn't say, "You be a bishop, you be you know." He said, "Come, follow me." Yes, we know they are disciples, but come follow me. They didn't even ask, you know, where are we going? Following you to where? So to me, when I say I want to follow you, I had no idea what that was, but now I do. I, you know, it makes me um, wonder. Uh, just w- Wendy and I talk about this every once in a while. Like, like, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? I, sometimes I think we have an agenda. We want Jesus to make sure that <laughs> that as we follow Him, He's uh, He's taking us on the path that we want Him to take us on. That's not always the case. No, and rarely is it. But we, um, I think, typically the average person tries to make it that way, mm-hmm. and that's not following Jesus. That's following your own path. So tell us a little bit more, Okongo, about um, this following Jesus journey. Now that you know, you, you like you say, many people are figuring out what does it mean to follow Jesus. Basically, I don't have to be in control. He tell me where to go. I know even to the places I don't want to go. And as we know, the disciples, you know, sometimes they had to kind of run back because, wow, okay, what is this? So uh, following is just allowing him to take you to the places where he himself will take you to use you. All you have to do is be obedient. Now, like he called the disciple, come follow me. All they did is to abandon their business as these fishing things and following. So following Jesus is to be obedient and sometimes obedient to the to the place where you don't want to go. And, and, and that's why even when he said, you know, when he was giving the commission for us to follow him and go with him, he said, I'll be with you uh, to the very end. And even sometimes you'll be persecuted because of me, because you're following him, not yourself. You know, but I will be with you. Uh, so that means you, even following Jesus, can take you to a place where you, it can be persecution. You know, often we think it should be a place of just goodness. You know, whatever that is, it leads us to a place where you will need what we call a breakthrough because you can't break it by yourself. You you just need Him to help you receive that breakthrough uh, as you follow Him. So basically, it's not my agenda; it is His agenda. And it is his way and where he leads. Ah, those are so good words. I think it's beautiful because God does speak. And it's it's um, up to us to open up our ears and hearts to listen. And so um, I'm grateful that you have listened to him in such a beautiful way. Can you um, tell us about the first time of, I'm sure you can, of when you were persecuted? Because I know that that one's probably the most fresh, I would think. Um Maybe the last one is the most fresh. I can't even imagine fifteen times. But what what were the um, what what was, what happened? Where were you? How did it un- all unfold? So after receiving that uh, that vision, you know, I I tried to uh, meet with a few pastors to to talk about what that is, and even my peer group, you know, they're like this is just a dream, you know, it just after eating some dinner. No, this is not true. And, you know, there was just more odd things uh, when I shared that God's vision to the point where I also doubted what that was, especially when you hear, I want to use you to the uttermost part of the world. And, you know, at that time, we had missionary, you know, we knew what was going on. We had awareness of what is just going on in the world. So personally, at that time, I was looking myself in a very way, what I would call inferior, 
you know, Atom was part of the world. This can't be true. I don't even speak fluent English. I don't speak those languages. They speak in those countries. I don't even have money. I don't, you know, so I, all the negative, and they were, they were realistic too. Get hung up on the mm-hmm. how. How am I going to yeah. do that? Yeah, yeah. Right. And so then, uh, so I started kind of, hey, I'm not, if part of the world is going to the next village, I, I can do that. I'm I'm cool with that. So I started kind of sharing my story, but mostly how I came to have an encounter with Jesus. And then mm-hmm. along the line, we had a, a, this a missionary group called the Deguna. You know, they are basically German people. They come with this big military truck and with a loudspeaker and then with a, with a video, Jesus video, and they show Jesus video in film. People gather, watch the Jesus, and then they sing with songs and 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 then call the altar call and go from one village to another. And I was intrigued by them. You know, it was just very emotional. And so then, uh, one time they they got me to share my story because one of the things that is powerful in an outreach stories. Like the Bible is full of stories. Jesus said a parable stories, you know, just to kind of bring about the kingdom of God. So now here I am passionate about God's kingdom. So I was sharing my story, the testimony, how I had an encounter with the Lord. So through that, I had them talk about, uh, no, in a group prayer, before I share the story, they were praying for the persecuted churches. And then they were praying for Northern Uganda, where they were supposed to go on a mission, and they were trying to change that because of the, uh, the then it used to be called a different name, and but now we know it called Lord Resistant Army. And so they were saying, you know, they are persecuting, abducting children. Let's pray for the children. Let's pray for their heart to be saved. Mm-hmm. Let's pray that they, they do the right thing. So when I heard that, I said, well, why is that? So I had more questions than answers. And then no one wanted to go. So partly because they couldn't find a team, people who are willing to go in that water because they would be abducted and and whatever. And I said, if I have opportunity, I would go. I would just go no matter what it is. You know, partly people would say, well, a teenager, what else? You know, naive, you know, what else? To me, it was like, God, just if I Indestructible. Yeah, then good. Then I joked fully, you know, sometimes jokes can be dangerous. I said, if they abduct me and I'm with them, I tell them about Jesus. It really sounds naive. They said, you know, we got a small team going and we want to get other more people to go. And I said, I want to be a part of it. So I signed myself of all the odds. I was not supposed to go. But then they said I was too young to go with the team. So I decided, what about if I go by my own with a van to that place and meet you there. And I said, well, <laughs> let's meet there. So I decided to take this wow. mini bus we call Matatu and with the three people who are not um, who are not allowed to be in that big truck. <clears throat> and so then we went to Northern Uganda. It's like a three-day bus, you know, back then. <clears throat> Crowded, you know, you know, if you've been to Africa, you know, social distance was not a language, you know, of a vocabulary back then. You're creative and you found a loophole. <laughs> So on our way, then we were stopped by this rebel army. And, you know, at that time, I had not known how they were, but I knew they were just bad people. So we were abducted. And then they drove us into this forest, which is dense, thick. You know, I did not even know where it was. And so when when basically we were abducted, they got us off the vehicle. And then uh, we were lying down and they took all our things that were in our pocket, put us back in the van, and they they... They drove the, the, the vehicle into the, the rural, a uh, very thick forest. And when we arrived there, it was dark at night. I didn't have the bearing of where I was going. And so um, then 
we find ourselves with with a lot of a bunch of kids and people who have been abducted in this camp in the forest so we became part of that and some of them i could barely even talk to them because they were speaking language i wasn't really able to speak and so there we were and uh, then that's when i kind of realize wow i am abducted so this is what it so this is what it means to follow jesus <laughs> yeah you know get on a bus and get abducted yeah not at that moment that moment when you when someone say you're following jesus you know uh, that that was not <laughs> what is that <laughs> were you afraid when you got to this camp and you saw all these abductees were you starting to wonder are they going to kill me i mean what were you thinking you know first of all i was scared but at the same time i say you know when you are in a group you are abducted as many as it is you know there was like peace part of me that okay at least we are in it together but but you know because i had no idea what i was getting into you know they don't tell you what you're going to experience now when i went there because uh, what i do know is they were abducting people taking them into the front line and we didn't know the detail of what they were doing with people until i went to the camp but you could see the faces of the young people and actually when we arrived there uh we we were ordered to get out of the vehicle and i could hear some young kid, guy people girls boys crying and and the pain and they were all down and um and uh, and they were being raped and so we just got in and so then we were just pushed and we were, we were became a part of that and that is when i realized this is different so that's when my heart broke and so so and when as they move us to join the others they move us with the whipping and beating and and in a confusion not knowing what's going on and then we were made to lie down and and so and then we were defiled and you know, raped multiple times and that was really good and of course you know there's this many rebel army and so it it was just that confusion that was going on that night how long were you in the camp i was there about 3 weeks now people in the camp uh, the young people as we were we were doing one thing we were either serving the 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 this rebel army by cooking for them and then during day they were training us on how to go fight in the front line and then at the same time we were meeting their uh, physical sexual needs so those are the key things oh. and we didn't know when 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 you are going to go to uh, to the camp and then the young people who were taken to the camp uh, really they never came back the front line when they were taken because they were taking people in yeah. back they never came back but a few people who came back um uh, they were kind of telling the story but not necessarily fully to for us to grasp and some of the story were more of horror more than anything else and we could only hear those story in a short window period because each time we were engaged and we were being watched that you know it's just really intense and so they were saying you know the people who went to the camp and where are they they didn't come back you know what are they doing you know they didn't make it you no know? so yeah. either they were killed and then some of them who are who are wounded there uh, they the the rebel army ended up just uh, uh, killing them because it was casualty they they are rebel in the forest they don't have hospital to take care of these casualty soldiers or child soldiers so they basically finished them off over there and mm. so um so then i came to realize that oh wow it's a matter of time before i go because we were also trained i never handled a gun before so we were trained uh, to be taken to the camp and then at the same time we were also meeting the needs here and being servant i tried to escape a few time and i got a really beating and so i was not even also walking right because the first few days i was resistant and so i got my punishment so you know uh, and i could not be taken to the front line quickly because uh, my beating was you know i was 
not walking right. So with uh, with this going on and you getting some reports of some of the others that had gone ahead on the front line and then you being uh, just beaten and all the things that you were dealing with in that camp, how did you hold on to hope when things probably seemed so hopeless? Well, it was hopeless. You know, I don't think uh, there was hope there whatsoever. So um, even how I escaped, I escaped hopeless. Um, uh, there was no hope, but it was God's miracle. So when uh, a time came when I realized that, well, it is true, the people who are taken to the front line, they are going, they never come back, they are dead. So somehow I'll go and I'll die. That That's a given because, you know, it's it's happening. So that's number one. Then number two, if you try to escape in this thick forest, uh, a few of them who tried to run, they were shot and killed. So I also knew that if I try to escape, oh, it's clear I've seen it, you know, I'm going to be killed. Then at the same time, being in the camp, day and night, being raped and I was hurting, to me, I felt like they were, I was dying slowly. So I said, it's a matter of time, this many soldiers uh, mounting on me, it's dying. Death is what I was seeing. So there was no hope in there. So one night I just said, well, regardless, all those three options, it's all leading to death. There was nothing hope in that. So then I said, well, frontline, I'll go, I'll die. I tried to, if I continue being here, I'm dying. They are killing me. It's a, I'm dying slowly. But even if I walk, I, I'm going to be killed. I'll die. Then I said, I better do some, I better die doing something, which is just let me escape. They shoot me in the back. I die. It's the same. My end result is death. So I tried to escape one night and the soldiers left. And that is how I miraculously escaped. And I walked all, mm. all night. And then in the camp, we were not allowed to have clothes. So I walked just naked all night until I reached out, uh, reached to a small market closer by Gulu. And that's how God miraculously wow. brought me out of the, that's a That's my first breakthrough. But it wasn't a breakthrough wow. that time. <laughs> It was an escape. God covered it. A miraculous escape. Yeah. Oh, man, that you weren't caught and shot. Yeah, and that you were able to endure and go forward and having enough uh, you know, enough hope to believe that, you know, uh, if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. But you knew, you know, with the relationship with the Lord that you had, that if you didn't make it, you knew you'd be going to heaven. But so obviously it wasn't God's plan. He had other things in mind for you. So you've escaped. Now you're on your own. What happened next? So um, then, I, you know, this is really interesting. So now when I came out, you know, I didn't know where to go. I had no bearing where I was. So as I was walking and uh, in the morning, so I wanted to kind of ask people, where am I? You know, which area, which direction in Kenya? How can I go there? You know, but um, it was really also awkward in, in that morning because, as I mentioned, I was naked. So many people are going to the farm, to the market, you know, in that morning. So I was kind of trying to approach people. And, you know, that's when I, I knew because we didn't really have clothes. And as you approach people when you're naked, people just give you way, you know. Have your way because you're naked, you know. So, and often people who are walking naked are mentally disturbed. So, and then I I walked towards one lady and, and when when she was like about two, 20 yards, I just said, I need help, I need help. And and she actually paid attention. And, and this lady um, had, had me share just vaguely and she had what women kind of call lace so they wrap it around their their waist and their 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 hips and so uh, she gave me that i wrap around myself and then i i kind of re released the story just vaguely 
that hey, I was abducted and, and, and I need help. You know, I was from Kenya. Mm-hmm. And then she said, you know, just walk this way, not, not, not far from here. Uh, there's, a, there's a police station, actually, military come and policemen are just police station. They kind of call it the same at that time. You'll find the police station there and they can help you. And so I walk and, you know, in Africa, when they say it's just right there, there in the corner, actually, you know, they say right here, here in the corner, it's actually Eight miles. right there, there. So I keep on walking <laughs> and, until I reach yeah. a police station. And, uh, and so enough, when I arrived there, I shared the story just vaguely also. But, you know, they were also trying to interrogate me to get the real location where these rebels are. But, you know, I walked all night. I had no idea where East West is, you know, just like at that time, too, when when I was, you know, um, I never had shoes in my legs. So my toes were pointing East West. No, that's how I was. I did not know where I was. So I couldn't even give them more of the direction. So anyway, story short. In this military camp, they recovered the van we, uh, that was used to abduct us. And my, my uh, uh, we call it Katkaisum, the baptism card and my ID was there. And during wow. that time, we didn't need a passport to even go uh, through this country. So, and then, so enough, they, they helped me return back to, uh, to Kenya, uh, a very broken, uh, heartbroken, confused, Hurting, wounded, and you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, questioning what the, whether I had the vision, the lie was even more than the truth. I started kind of wrestling. People might have been right that I was not called, that this was me, this was not God. So I I left the camp and I came back to Kenya. I doubted literally everything. I hated myself. I was afraid of men. Even when I came back to my village, my village people were not rebel leaders. But when men are walking on the street, I would run because all I think is they're going to rape me. That's, that was how bad I was. Yeah. Hopeless I and was. Were you mad at God? Big time because, you know, I was really angry. You know, God, why do you allow this to happen? But even prior to going to northern Uganda, I was saying, God, why are you not stopping that happening? Now, when I became a casualty, I started questioning God, why did you allow that to happen? So in my own reasoning as a human being, even when they were torturing me sexually, God, why did you just make them inactive? So at least I didn't have to deal with all this pain of rapists. If, you know, mm-hmm. so I, and I, those are questions I was kind of wrestling with, but there's no answer, but I, I grew more angry and bitter. And uh, yeah, that was my journey at that time. I think, I think Okongo, that probably happens uh, a lot to lots and lots of people. Whatever the circumstances are, when we believe that God has, uh, sort of pave the way for something, we expect it to go a certain way. And when it doesn't go a certain way, naturally uh, the tempter will pull doubts into our mind and in unbelief into our heart, and even anger where we're, we, we question God. And what you said I think is key. There were no answers. There were no, God, it's not like God appeared and said, well, Congo, let me, let me sit down and explain why all this happened. You got no answers. Yeah. So you had to continue to trust. You were in a, in a, in a dark and broken place what happened that it turned around then? Because I look at I look at the smile on your face today and, and your wife, Shyla. You guys have the joy of the Lord. You've done so much for the Lord. 
What was the turning point back then that took you from uh, that dark place to a place of maybe light? Maybe meeting Shyla. Oh, yeah, maybe yeah. that was it. <laughs> yeah, now we are into it. She's a cutie pie. Yes. Now we're talking. <laughs> but, you know, you know uh, this, this small story that I, thought, I never thought I would have a beautiful woman like this, but you know, my turning point was uh, there was no one set time that, okay, this is a time for. So when I came back to the village, confused, I didn't want to talk about uh, the story because I, I felt shame, guilt. And and uh, broken and and when I left, of course, the majority did, were not in favor of me going. So I didn't want to kind of tell them because then I didn't want to hear the word. I told you, we say we knew it, you know, like people do that all the time. I knew it, I knew it, and so um, so I was I was in shame, but clearly I was wounded and hurting. It it was evident. Now in Africa, people live a communal life. You can't hide, and uh, no, you when you are hurting people, no. When, when something wrong has happened, people know because it's a communion. There's no individualism secret. It because it brings level. I call, in, in our ministers, I teach people it's it what we call accountability. You, know, you can hold people accountable by what you visualize, what you design, what you see, how they walk, how, how they were yesterday, last week, and how they are today. And, and they never let you get off the hook. So people are kind of asking a lot. And so in my effort of trying to figure out how to tell this story, I decided to confide in a few of the pastor who were back then. And uh, I shared what happened and that did not go well because they did not know what to do with me, especially when I kind of really full blown talk about the torture, talk about the sexual, and they did not know what to do with the sexual. They were like, you know, you had, I became like a dirty person. And then before I know the story was kind of spreading, like this is what happened to him. And so uh, majority of people had no idea what, how to love me. And to the point where even when I went to the churches at that time, I sit in the, uh, in the benches, we call them benches, you know, thank God we call them pews at some places where someone has their own chair. But it was these benches, when I sat on a bench, people just moved from that bench because when they had what happened to me, now I was a dirty person. And so, uh, so that even brought more pain not only the pain I had right. in Uganda, but here rejection and loneliness. And so, um, so and then you know, most of the peers were saying, you know, when will you now become, when will you deliver the baby? When will you, because now you'll be pregnant because you are raped. And so and I was now Aww. angry with my peer, angry with the church, because I thought I could get help. So I was alone. And, uh, and so everywhere now you go, that's the story of the order of the day, uh, which, which was, um, I did not know what to do. Then one old lady one time told me when I was walking to the market, uh, my dad sent me to go get a, a, a newspaper. And she said, you know, uh, you know, I know what you're going through. I heard this story, but God will use you with your story. The most striking thing this lady said, you know, I have been raped. And, you know, I had heard that she was because I knew her, the old lady. I've been raped but I'm clinging to God. That's my hope. I started crying. And that mm. was the beginning of the turnaround that someone can talk about right. and at least have can speak of the experience I'd gone through. And so and that's the source of the hope. Now that was it. And then since my story was out, everyone knew it. I couldn't hide it anymore. So I realized it just, I, they, I, I need to come and keep talking because at least God 
saved me. He, I didn't die like other people. That's something that I'm hopeful and I'm proud about. And as more, the more I keep on sharing that story, the more people are like, you know, oh, that's, that's true. And the more the story I was sharing, how God delivered me from all those bad, even though it was bad, the more I saw people having hope and say, I want to accept Christ. That is what gave me hope. But I wasn't healed. Beautiful. So I was broken. Right. I was wounded, bitter. But when I see that that story is starting to give people some light to accept Christ, I say, ah, I'll continue doing that because that's the only thing I was now wanting to do more because I couldn't social with people. I didn't want to be close where men were. I thought they would rape me anytime. I had nightmare. You know, I had, you know, I didn't want to go to church. I'm alone. You know, I'm the dirty one. But then to go speak and people do that, and then that was where I poured out all my effort. And then that continued from one village and a storyteller, you know, a boy who was raped. Now he's coming to tell this. I didn't mind the tag, you know, I didn't mind all the call name calling, but to just see some people having hope. And then some people say they were raped, except they were not in the camp. Then I realized, wow, this thing that happened to me in the rebel camp, some of these wicked things are happening even in other, something is going on in here. You know, sometimes, Okongo, we, we say that stories uh, reveal and stories heal. That's one of the things that we say. So you revealing your story mm-hmm. not only has uh, allowed others around you to say, oh my goodness, this kind of happened to me or I can relate or whatever mm-hmm. and allow them to heal through your story, but it's allowing you and has allowed you to heal yeah. through the process. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and one thing that strikes me is the, is, is the old woman who, who yeah. reached out and she, it seems like God gave you the right word at the right time. You needed to hear that message from her and feel that acceptance and that uh, just to allow you to not have to deal with a constant lifetime of shame, but to be lifted up by her words and her encouragement. And I love the fact that, you know, you started to talk about it because it started to build momentum in you the more you told the story. And it seems like God was bringing you healing even through all of that. So, all right, let's fast forward a little bit now. You're you're on the you're on the mend inside and outside, and you're sharing Jesus all over the place. <laughs> I look at your I look at the bio here, oh, and all these different goodness. countries you're in, and uh, he went to medical college in Nairobi. Well, yeah, that's the other part. I mean, of hello, it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and these, behind uh, every great man is a greater woman. So mm, I cannot wait to hear. Yeah. From Shyla here in a moment. Um, so I'm so glad she's by your side. But well, listen, fast forward just a, yeah. uh, just a bit, and don't tell us about all the imprisonments, or we will be here for 15 days. But you were, you were, <laughs> you were imprisoned like 15 different times, and uh, just just give us a little sample of what of what happened, how that happened, and then and then what the outcome of that imprisonment was for you. So I came to realize now my story in Northern Uganda was not my story; it was God's story. Because now from one village to another, I could go share. And then, okay, invite that guy, you know. So then that's what got me even outside of the village to towns uh, and um, and uh, and outside of Kenya to just kind of continue doing what I was doing. So some missionary who heard about me said, you know, can you come, you know, and because Diguna was more spread across East Africa and Central Africa. So then that became really um, a, a, an opening to go to those different places. And then from going from one place, the story keep on going. Uh, God's story keep on going and then opening ways. And that's what got me to the many countries. But even prior to that, you know, um, in my loneliness and desperation, uh, I also confided in doing school more because I realized now God is moving with me. 
So I'm going to tribes that are not speaking my language and, and I need to kind of acquire some awareness. And so I took school seriously. Yes, even fast, fast forward, I went to medical school there in, uh, in Nairobi, uh, medical college. And then I, I went and furthered my studies in, in England, in UK, Belfast University, where I specialized wow. in oncology. And that's where I also wow. did uh, theology as well and, and counseling and psychology because all those thing areas affect I feel really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like man. But but you know, I ended up doing that because you know uh it was part of that vision God gave me. I came to realize yes. that, uh, as I was going from place to place, I realized people are not only um struggling emotionally like the way I was based on what happened to me in Uganda, but they were struggling mentally as well. They were struggling physically because when phys- when when I was physically done and around that time that when, when HIV was, so people said, oh, here he's sick, he's HIV, you know, so no one wants to shake your hand because you'll just pass HIV, you know. So I realized, you know, what is this HIV? And I want to kind of study how, how, how can it be passed? Because then I realized, I want to do medical, you know. Then I realized, you know, I mean, the mental thing that I'm going through and I'm talking to people, you know, they don't, I want to kind of study psychology and I want to work with people to counsel them the way I was not counseled when I shared because, you know, I was judged. I don't, so that, then that's when I, I got motivated. I want to kind of get this. So because God had a reason for me to go to Northern Uganda, it wrecked my everything in me, mental, physical, emotional, social, and spiritual. All those were affected just when I was in Northern Uganda. And so I realized I needed to kind of heal in all those aspects to relate well with people, to, to view God in different way, you know. So then that's why I decided I want to kind of get that. I want to kind of empower myself because empower people, empower others. And so, and so, but God was continuously taking me through this journey and empowering me, even though in a painful way. So sometimes suffering really bring perseverance and produce something. And that's why my story is not my story, it's God's story. And so Jesus had to go through that for us to, you and I, and us to be here. And even the listeners right now, and even them who are not listeners, you know, his his story is, is ours if we own it. So, um, so, so that's basically how it moved from one place to another. Then I came to realize when I went through what I went through in Northern Uganda, uh, just kind of learning that I was forced to share my story. I didn't share them voluntarily. But because the communal were now sharing my story and it was so twisted, it got me out of my hiding to share my story. Then I came to realize so many people that I knew had things that they were going through that I never knew until I shared my story. So I became more of outspoken. And that got me into trouble when I went to Sudan and then I see people being persecuted. And I said, it can't happen. And that, you can't say that. In 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 a, in some country, you it will lead you to prison, and I went that way. So I became more opinionated. I'm not gonna sit back when I see people injustice happening. So the moment you start getting out and standing out and stand to be counted, you will always force uh, you will have forces against you, and that led me to prison one to another. Um, and then uh, in prison is when God also connected me to I got out and, and continue. It became God's journey. Now it takes us back to what we started with. It's just following Jesus. Sometimes it could lead us into those places, prison, and we just follow, he get us out, you know. So it's just leading us, he fo- uh, following as he leads. Yes. It seems to me too, uh, Congo, that 
that in all of the suffering that you endured in all those different areas of your life, uh, that God was actually trusting you because he knew where you would go with it. Either you were going to stay bitter and angry and unhealed, or you were going to continue to take the grace God was offering you and become whole and useful to him. But he trusted you with that level of suffering. And I think sometimes when when we go through things, we don't realize that, yes, we trust the Lord, but can he trust us to do what he needs to do inside of us so that we can be a blessing to more others, uh, to so many others? I think about that passage in, in Corinthians, you know, we comfort others with the same comfort that God has given us. And I, I look at your life and you and Shiloh and all of the the heart for ministry and the passion for taking a stand and encouraging and teaching people. And it's a tremendous inspiration for us, brother. I got to tell you. Big time. This, this would be amazing for people to hear. You know, looking back, even though I didn't kind of miraculously heal at time, you know, there are some healing that took a process. And, and I believe also God does miracle instant healing because I've seen that even in prison. Yeah. Some of the prison actually I was kicked out of prison because I was praying for people. And, and, they, right, and, and then and they get healed. this out. Actually, they confused me. Uh, they said, you know, what was commotion was happening in prison and they were praying in, in, in loud and, and they were praying in other tongues, the people who are just you now Muslim. And so then they started rallying us up, you know, what is going on here? And then uh, they said that that black dude, that was the black dude, that black dude there is the one who brought this evil spirit that has uh, uh, infected these people. And so then I was wow. kicked out. Um, because I brought, and that's how God, and that was God's plan. He didn't even give me a memo. I could, you know, I, I, if I knew I would have done that so soon, but then I did that like, you know, like two weeks later. So fact, you would have been laying hands on people left and right had you known. <laughs> you know, I didn't have to go through those whipping. But what I learned, you talk about God trusted me. To me, I, I'm still in, in, in a, getting emotional to realize that I was broken. I was I was unhealthy. I needed healing, but yet God trusted me. So God still trusts people, trusts us even in our in in our brokenness. We don't have yeah. to be perfect, clean, holy, and and so I was kind of even going to these places, but wounded, bitter, questioning, wrestling, fear, anxiety, depression. But I was going in, and I'm amazed that He trusted me to even con- and give me energy and open the doors. As I follow Jesus, in my brokenness, I came to yes. fully later. So often, the the least likely is the most likely, and you look at all the stories in the Bible, and there are so many least likelies that became the most likely. Yeah. And so I see that yeah. as 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 a God's story uh, that He's uh, allowed you to go through. And so I, I really want to, because um, I know our time is is getting uh, shorter here, but I, Shyla, you're just so beautiful sitting there. I can't not hear from Shyla because, you know, come on, women have a big role to play in this ministry too. So I would love to hear if it's okay, Okongo, if Shyla shares how you two met. Absolutely. And then we'll kind of wrap it up with um, a final story of, of what you went through. So Shyla, hello. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just want to say first and foremost that that I'm humbled to even have the opportunity to walk with and serve with Okongo as as Jesus leads both of us. I mean, it's it's a wild adventure, and you know, I have my own story, I have my own brokenness, I have my own healing, I have you know my my own. But but what an adventure to get to partner with Okongo and travel the world and and 
be the places where God ordains us to be, see him show up again and again. Yeah. I, I just think it's beautiful. Uh, and again, it goes back to the beginning when, when, you know, Okongo made the decision, I'm going to follow Jesus. And when Shyla met Okongo and decided we're going to get married and I'm going to follow Okongo because he's following Jesus. (laughs) So I'll be following Jesus too. Uh, it's a beautiful story. I want to touch on something, uh, that I know about your story that, uh, really surprised me when I learned this. But you actually had a chance uh, to go back to uh, some of the prisons that and 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 offer forgiveness to your captors. Is this? Do I have the story right on that? You have a story right on that. And actually, the book I'm writing will come out. We'll talk about some of those. So, uh, of course, you know, um, uh, Northern Uganda count as one of the fi- one of the fifteen prisons. I did not go back to the rebel because they didn't have a structure even today where I could go and visit, but the 14 countries, I had to go back. Now, this is something that I didn't do joyfully, but um, <clears throat> it's like um, when, just like the scripture, when people wrong you, you know, you go make it right, you know, uh, whether they're believers or not, you know, when we can. And sometimes I advise people not to, for uh, God's wisdom. So, um, so as part of my healing, I, you know, when I went from one to another and I thought like I'm better I'm, I'm, and I realized I need to die doing something. Mm. Going to Northern Uganda, the way I escaped, I realized I will continue to die doing something that would give God the glory. So even as I was going to multiple, I was just like, you know, I'm I, I'm dead already. It's just, it's just gonna, celebration is what I'm waiting for no matter what it is, but I would rather die doing something that is pleasing to the Lord. So when it came to a time of my healing, um, I had people who took me through this, a heal, a prayer, healing breakthrough prayer that is not done by this psychological counseling, walking step by step. It was just this man who ushered me into God's presence through worship and prayer and just, just, that brought emotional healing. And, and when we were going through that three days intense, it's when God said, you will go back to those prisons. Now, that does not mean I said, yes, God. You know, no, 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 I don't want to go. These people need to Are you die. sure? Are you sure I heard yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah, good idea, Lord. Maybe some other time. <laughs> this this might be might make me look like you know, not a godly man. My thought at that time, even though I was serving God, I was saying, God, kill them even... Just, just kill them. I don't want to mm. see them. And then my version is, what if, for me, even if I go see them, God, if you allow me to also have someone torture them, put them down their mountain and kind of like drill their leg and I'm watching and then that way now I can talk. How does it feel? That's how I feel. Mm. Now I forgive you. That was my human thought. But I came to realize God cannot love me. That's not that's not my way. And so I just need you to go. So, um, and that had a process, you know, I had to kind of go through that process, you know, not that I was bold, you know, I was even whining as I go, you know, but then God opened opportunity. In fact, I even worked so hard to even give excuses not to go and God provided, you know, I remember one time <laughs> where I said, now it's done because I was trying to raise funds to go to those places in obedience and I would look who I'm raising funds. And some Christians said, you know, you are persecuted there. You can't go there. You'll go through the same thing. I'm not going to find you. And I said, God, I just asked. And you had that. And he took a Muslim, a Muslim, <laughs> who was not a believer, 
who I met who said, you know, I don't like being your faith or anything, but I want to give you a gift. It turned out to be the exact amount, the budget I was asking that the wow. church community did. Then I realized now, God, I don't have excuse. And I was so content that I'm not going to happen. And I can say I didn't have resources to go there. So, you know, it's amazing how God put things in place. So I didn't have to have excuse. And, you know, one of the greatest sin to this day is not all that we are wrapping up around the world is disobedient. Adam and Eve, the first thing is God told them, do this, do this, don't do that. And they did the opposite, disobedient. So when God has told you, go here, you have to do it. So, and I say, God, you just provide, I've got to be obedient. But now you're going to keep these people, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even, I'm not sure, I don't have a rapport. What am I going to do? How this, just give me the detail. And, you know, when you've gone through a few persecution like that, and you are going to a new place, you want to make sure that you don't run into the same people you run in the other place. So you want to kind of go to detail, but that's how God kind of continuously told me, you trust me. And not that most of them were pleasant, not that all of them really accepted um, the uh, the forgiveness process. Some of them up to now, I'm friends with them. They are not with wow. us. And some of them, as a result of meeting with them, Uh, over time, they became believers. Some of them are serving with Unite for Africa, including wow. some people who raped me. So even we right? you like that, and I kind of ask them, well, how does it feel? I know it give people like, you know, this is just unreal, but it shows wow. the breakthrough we can get when we follow yes. God. It was, if I was follow me, or I follow myself and my instinct, I wanted to follow myself by seeing them tortured, go through justice, you know, my own version of justice. But I realized God did justice by even taking me to meet with them to extend forgiveness and reconciliation. That now become a story, a God story of how God can rescue my brother who hurt me because of the ignorance and the influence that the devil and its schemes put upon him. And so, uh, so that's a breakthrough right there that God can use the ugly thing to demonstrate that he is still God, who is gracious, merciful, mm. redeemer, healer, forgiver, restorer. Now, how then would I have known God as a deliverer, healer, if I, if I wouldn't have to go through all that? So that's a breakthrough, wow. big breakthrough. Huge, wow, love and forgiveness. Yes. Wow. wow, love you know, conquers when we, all. We listen to your story stories, and uh, you have lots and lots of stories. <laughs> I, there's there's some things that really surface for us. Uh, one is this this the constant theme of following Jesus, no matter what, and being obedient, no matter what, and trusting Him, no matter what. And your life speaks of that. And every single one of us who claim to follow Jesus will have opportunities to go to places that we're not sure where it's going to end up. And then the second thing is that you have endured such suffering and injustice, as many folks have in various ways. And I just want to talk to a listener right now who's just enduring something very, very painful, unjust, and difficult. And I just want to encourage you with Congo's story that if you will trust God to use that, he will use that, mm-hmm. not just for your good, and that's a given, but for the good of many others as well. So your suffering and your pain will have some good outcomes to it. And then just lastly, this the, the way that you were able to give forgiveness to those who did not deserve it, didn't ask for it, and you offered it is exactly what God has done for us. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> a great illustration of bringing in the love of God into our own lives and offering that forgiveness when we've been hurt and offended and and even abused. So, Congo, your your 
your life is a shining example of the life of Christ, and it inspires us. Yeah, and your life, yeah. your lives together, um, beautiful with Unite for for Africa. Um, go to that website. You that are listening, go to yeah. uniteforafrica.org and check out well, all that they're doing. And we need a whole support. other show. Just I know. For, I mean, there's so much to talk about. Because your, your organization is doing so many good things in so many practical ways, and Wendy and I love that. It's one thing to just preach the gospel, and that's important, but to bring all hands the other helps. Hands and feet. Yeah. yeah, as hands and feet. You guys are doing it. So really want to encourage our listeners, get over there to that website. There's videos, there's stories, there's opportunity for you. Uniteforafrica.org. Yes. So um, thank you both so much for being on. I know it's late in the evening for you. You guys as we're doing this podcast bless you both and um, I know God will continue to lead the way because you listened for his uh, for his his words and you you just go for it so we are encouraged and we are inspired so thank you so much and God bless you both we appreciate you so much and uh, we are looking forward to uh, sharing more with others and uh, we keep on praying uh, God's story is uh, in each one of us. Bye-bye. God's story. Don't you love that? Uh, you know, we do tend to Amazing. talk about our own story often. Well, we <laughs> say like, it's our story. I know. You know? What a kind of, and even like with yeah. your biggest breakthrough, what's your story? Right. But right, it is. Right. It is God's story it's, that we are just walking out. Mm. And, and sometimes we're not really being obedient to his story in the moment, but then he gets us back on track and it becomes his story. He weaves it all together for yeah. good, if, if you're willing to yeah. you know, go along with that and to trust uh, him. Wow, you know, and um, I know this podcast here blessed your socks off. I know mm. it did. So please give a, you know, a rating, uh, subscribe, all the things, share this podcast. But also the um, episode right before this, um, we had Susie Larson on and she was talking about her new book called prevail and Okongo. Oh my goodness. Talk about prevailing. So, um, you want to check out that episode as well. And I can't remember. I think it's, uh, what was it? 23 numbers of the episode. 22. I don't know, but go back and listen. Susie Larson. It's a great one. It's going to bless your socks off too. But anyway, thank you so much for tuning in to your biggest breakthrough. We appreciate you and we'll catch on the next one. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love spending time with you right here on Your Biggest Breakthrough Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. But until then, just head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.